When he entered the portal, it seemed like Missouri defensive end Trajan Jeffcoat was a lock to eventually come to South Carolina. Is that still the case? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And we're going to talk about the transfer portal on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Gamecocks. Both some good news from this past weekend, or at least seemingly some good news, and also seemingly some potential bad news on the Trajan Jeffcoat front, which we're going to use to lead off today's show. So on Monday afternoon, there were some rumors that began to swirl around on Twitter and on various South Carolina sports news publications and websites that Trajan Jeffcoat might not end up in Columbia at the end of the day. At this current moment, there has not been any official announcement of Trajan Jeffcoat officially transferring to South Carolina. It has now been over a week since Trajan Jeffcoat entered the transfer portal, and it was widely assumed by a lot of people, including myself, that Trajan Jeffcoat, barring anything shocking, would wind up being a Gamecock at the end of the day. And I have to be honest with y'all. Whatever the issue is that's currently ongoing with this entire situation, I could not tell y'all what exactly it is. I could not tell you if it is actually something with admissions. I do have to admit, considering the fact that he has made the SEC All-Academic team multiple times in his football career, I believe that he's even been an academic All-American based on a couple things I've seen. It doesn't seem like that admissions would be an issue. So the other question would be, is there any potential off the field issue? Well, Trajan Jeffcoat was dismissed at one point from Missouri's football team back in 2019, I believe, which was the final year of the Barry Odom tenure and right before Eli Drinkwitz took over the Missouri Tigers football program that offseason. Now, Trajan Jeffcoat did wind up rejoining the team, of course, and at least from the outside looking in, during the time that he was there while Eli Drinkwitz was Missouri's head coach, it seems like that Trajan Jeffcoat was in good standing, both in terms of following the team rules for the program and also uh, keeping up his academics. So I have to admit, I, again, I really and truthfully don't know what is going on with this situation. I'm certainly not going to sit here and speculate, but what we do know right now is this. It does seem like that there is now a greater and greater chance that this move might not end up taking place at the end of the day. So, if this does not work out for both parties, what does this mean for South Carolina? Well, to put it bluntly, this would be a big blow for the Gamecocks because with everything that's taken place in the last few months, and especially the past month with the transfer portal, the edge defensive end position is one that has been labeled as a position of need, a position where the Gamecocks need to add an extra experienced rusher off the edge. Because 
again, we've gone over this before. Jordan Stratton likely is going to come back to South Carolina. I still believe that he needs a medical waiver to be approved by the NCAA in order to do so. He's coming off an ACL tear from this past September. And listen, you do not know how Jordan Stratton is going to respond to this injury. He could wind up coming back and you know, feeling better than ever before, and it doesn't take him very long to readjust and have confidence in that knee again. But usually, when athletes like Jordan Stratton, especially in these kind of positions, like a speed rusher position, suffer such a severe injury like this, it takes the athlete a while to get their feet back under themselves. So, you cannot completely trust that Jordan Strawn is just going to step right on back into that same role in the 2023 season and make a massive impact for this defense. You just cannot fully trust that to happen. South Carolina, of course, signed two talented defensive end prospects from the 2023 recruiting class that are now both on campus as early enrollees in Desmond Umeo Zulu and Montague Rames. Obviously, we talked about these guys before. Umeo Zulu seems like your prototypical edge speed rusher, somebody that with his length, his athleticism, and his advanced technique for his age could be an early impact player for South Carolina. Montague Rames, you can also say the same about him in terms of his potential, except for he has a differing play style. Montague Rames is a much more physical guy, a guy that's really built in his upper body, is great at diagnosing plays, and is the kind of guy that can really be solid in rush defense at that weak side defensive end position. Either way, it's looking increasingly likely that one of these two guys is going to have to play a significant amount in 2023, maybe even start for this team. Terrell Dawkins, of course, was a transfer from NC State this past offseason that this staff and the fan base were really excited about. Obviously, didn't get to see a whole lot from Terrell Dawkins this past season as he dealt with his own injury issues. And again, you know, because he did not really get any game time this past season, what was essentially a lost year for him in terms of getting acclimated to this system in live games, how is he going to do? Is he just going to come right on back and be a starter? Again, you cannot bank on that. And the issue now for South Carolina is they're at the end of the first transfer portal window. It's about to literally end tomorrow, which means that after tomorrow, of course, no more people can enter the portal. And at this point, the edge rusher market is quite frankly just completely dry. That well has been dried up for a couple of days, if not weeks now. Trajan Jeffcoat was sort of the last guy that popped up out of nowhere that South Carolina could have gotten. And now that it looks like that's not going to happen. South Carolina is now going to have to wait until the second transfer portal window opens starting on May 1st, going all the way through May 15th. They are going to have to get an edge rusher in that transfer portal window. There's no question about that. Because if they don't, they're going to be in a risky spot at the defensive end position heading into the 2023 season. Now, obviously, I know that that wasn't a very promising update on Trajan Jeffcoat. But it wasn't all bad news this weekend for South Carolinas. They also had a few other players that... We're on campus for visits, players that are from the transfer portal, all guys who could help this football team. So who is it that I'm talking about? We'll discuss these transfer portal visitors in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but maybe you don't want all the fat and calories that are involved, 
you have got to try Built Bar today. Built Bar is the protein bar that can help you accomplish all the goals that you are setting out for yourself in this new year. They aren't just healthy for you, but they're also extremely tasty and enjoyable. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, something that you don't get with your average protein bar. And they got different flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and a whole lot more. And these bars are only 130 calories. They include just 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And right now, you can get these bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a 4-bar box that includes cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you go to your local Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Belt Bar is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball all in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and even players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's talk about a few more transfer portal visitors that Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program hosted over the weekend. Starting off with running back Dylan Johnson, who is originally from Mississippi State. Now, this one's the more intriguing situation out of the three guys that visited this past weekend because Dylan Johnson is actually already committed to another program. He's committed to the Washington Huskies as of this current moment, but seemingly has left the door open to see if maybe he wants to go somewhere else or maybe, I don't know, if they're going to pitch in a little bit more NIL. Whatever the case may be, his recruitment seems to still be open at this time. And for good reason. Dylan Johnson is quite the talented dual threat running back out of the SEC. As in terms of his career stats, starting off with how he's done on the ground, he's had 229 career carries for 1,198 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns. But his receiving stats are just as good. He's gotten 149 receptions over his career for 864 receiving yards and one touchdown. So to put it bluntly, Dylan Johnson is probably the best pass catching running back in the transfer portal for this entire first window. He can also run in between the tackles due to his power and athleticism. So do not let the fact that he catches so many passes out of the backfield fool you. This is a guy that can do a multitude of different things for an offense. Certainly somebody that I do not think South Carolina would turn down. He's a guy that I believe, based on these numbers, has starting experience, plenty of starting experience in the SEC, something that obviously you're not going to get with a whole lot of other transfer portal targets here. So you can understand why Monterio Hardesty, Dow Loggins, Shane Beamer, probably the whole entire offensive coaching staff would be extremely intrigued by the idea of getting Dylan Johnson here. Now, 
Of course, if you add him to that running back room, that would give you a running back room that has Dylan Johnson, Mario Anderson Jr., Juju McDowell, Love C.A. Carroll, and Dontavious Braswell coming out of high school and getting into the program sometime over the summer, which would obviously really help out this running back room and make it legitimately five deep in terms of talent overall. So Dylan Johnson would be a solid get, and it's probably the one guy the Gamecock coaching staff would like to land the most out of the three that I'm mentioning here. So with that being said, let's move on to the second prospect that visited over the weekend in wide receiver Eddie Lewis, who was originally from Memphis. Eddie Lewis has bounced around to a couple different schools, but is entering his final year of eligibility in college football. I believe this would be his fifth or sixth year playing the sport. Now, in 2022, Eddie Lewis had a career year in terms of receiving, as he got 40 receptions for 596 receiving yards and six total touchdowns. And the thing that is really unique about Eddie Lewis is this is a guy that you can line up all over the field. He can line up outside, and he can also line up in the slot. And in my opinion, based on the few highlights I was able to watch on YouTube of Eddie Lewis and his game, He's a real dangerous slot receiver because of his release off the line of scrimmage. For a lot of receivers, it's pretty easy to beat a defensive back in man coverage if you're able to get off the line the quickest. And obviously in the SEC, you need to have some receivers like that because more often than not, you're going to face some of the better athletic defensive backs in all college football. Guys that are capable of running press coverage or man-to-man coverage. So... For South Carolina, that's not to say, of course, that Antoine Juice Wells can't do that or Xavier Leggett, but again, it just feels like that South Carolina, kind of like the edge defensive end position that I talked about earlier with Trajan Jeffcoat, really needs one more player, needs to get another guy in the group to, at the minimum, give them some added depth. Although, I don't think Eddie Lewis would be added depth in this instance. I think that Eddie Lewis would have a really good chance to be a starter should he come to South Carolina, especially in that slot position alongside probably Xavier Leggett and Antoine Juice-Wells, at which point then you could go to the next three wide receivers in, say, on Joyner, Amarian Brown, and then Omega Blake or Landon Sampson or Kellen Henderson, whoever ends up being sort of that second group. Because I sort of foresee... Dow Loggett's running a lot of 11 personnel here in Columbia. So you need to have a solid starting trio of wide receivers. A. Lewis could just be the missing piece to that equation. And then the last player that visited the Gamecocks that is currently in the transfer portal is wide receiver Malik McClain, who was originally from Florida State and has three years to play too. Now, Malik McClain is sort of the more maybe high-end potential type player out of this trio. He's a guy that has not played as much as the other two, but is someone that has been productive when he's been given the opportunity. In 2022, Malik McClain had 17 catches for 206 receiving yards and three touchdowns. But the thing is, his three touchdowns were quite impressive that I watched when looking at some of his highlights. Because Malik McClain is a big wide receiver standing at around six foot four inches tall and 200 pounds. He's a red zone threat that can make spectacular grabs either in traffic above defenders' heads and he also possesses the ability to contort his body and adjust his hands and his eyes to off target throws. Malik McClain, to put it bluntly, is someone that can really be a big play threat if he is utilized properly in a certain offense. And the thing is, 
Besides Xavier Leggett and, I guess, to an extent, Antoine Wells, South Carolina does not really have any receivers, honestly, right now that can just go out there and you throw the ball up and there's a chance that they can just jump over the defender and make that 50-50 grab. Again, that's another kind of receiver that pretty much every single offense, especially ones that want to take that next step, need to have. And it just doesn't feel like right now that South Carolina's got one that is just a bona fide possession, spectacular catch type of threat. Malik McClain could be the answer to that potential issue. Of course, you've also got Elijah Caldwell out of the high school ranks, who stands around six foot one, six foot two, but has that same kind of play style as somebody that can go up and just catch the ball over defenders. So it's pretty clear and evident based on that and the pursuit of Malik McClain that the Gamecock coaching staff feels like that they could use a receiver of this kind of mold. And again, it could end up being Malik McClain because the thing was. Late on Monday night, Shane Beamer actually posted a welcome home tweet. It's for the 2023 recruiting class, and I had to be honest with y'all. I cannot imagine that this kind of tweet would have come out so late for somebody like an Elijah Caldwell or maybe even someone for the 2024 recruiting class. You would have to think that it might have been for one of these three guys. Now, which one could it have been? I honestly, again, I have no clue, but... I would have to imagine if it is one of these three, you're not going to have to wait too long before finding out who the commitment is. So we'll just have to stay tuned to Twitter and whatever these guys are posting in the next couple of days in order to see which player out of this transfer portal trio may be coming to Columbia in the foreseeable future. All right. Now that we are near the end of today's show for the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, I want to actually revert back to a topic that I discussed on Monday's show, in a sense. Now, on Monday's show, I ended the show, ironically enough, by talking about South Carolina's men's basketball team and their recent blowout loss to the Texas A&M Aggies. And the thing that we mainly talked about on the Monday show was, you know, what this loss meant in terms of the questions that Lamont Paris needs to have answered going forward for this team. And one thing that I probably did not talk about enough was the impact that Hayden Brown's injury is going to have long-term on this team and what this means for South Carolina's front court. And I wanted to sort of go back and try to address that to end today's show. So, obviously, again, Hayden Brown has a deep thigh bruise. He apparently suffered this injury sometime during a practice leading up to the Texas A&M game. And, obviously, not going to try to dive too deep into the medical realm in terms of diagnosing what a deep thigh bruise is and you know how long it might take. But of course, if y'all watched Marshawn Lloyd and saw how much the injury impacted him and how hard it was for him just to be able to come back at like 50-75% capacity, then I don't think there's any question that it's probably going to be a little while before Hayden Brown takes the floor once again for this men's basketball team. I don't think it's going to be a season-ending type of deal but it's going to be at least probably a couple weeks. So what's going to have to happen now is somebody in the front court is going to have to step up in terms of being more of a leader here. Now, obviously, in terms of being the glue guy when on the floor, Miji Johnson's going to probably assume that role for the most part. But here's the thing. With everything that Michi's already doing in terms of trying to produce for this team, trying to be a floor general for this team... And you throw in now trying to be maybe the main vocal leader and vocal presence in the starting lineup. 
that's asking a lot out of Michi Johnson. And to be honest with y'all, it's not that I don't think that Michi Johnson can handle it. I just don't think it would be completely fair to him to put that much responsibility on him. I, of course, could be wrong about that. But in my opinion, Gigi Jackson is going to have to step up a little bit in terms of leadership. Now, obviously, I know that some of you are going to probably sit there and say, Andrew, he just turned 18 years old this past December. This is a kid that obviously is not expected to stay with the program longer than one season. He's probably going to go on to the NBA and be drafted later this summer. He had, of course, the whole incident during the Tennessee game where he had bad body language, wasn't there for the alma mater, all that stuff. And you know what? Those would all be very valid points. But here's the thing. In terms of the front court, we already know that's going to probably be a three-person rotation here. Benjamin Bozeman's for Donk, Josh Gray, and Gigi Jackson. And maybe some Daniel Hankins Sanford. You'll probably see a lot more of him in the coming weeks because, let's be honest, it probably would not be sustainable for Lamont Paris to run just a three-man rotation in that front court. But in terms of the production and in terms of the consistency of these guys, Quite honestly, the only player that I think could serve the role properly of being more of a vocal leader would be G.G. Jackson because of the responsibility that he already bears on this team. Now, again, I'm not saying that G.G. Jackson has to become the leader of the team, the glue guy when on the court. I think that he should still leave that to Michi Johnson. I think Lamont Pear should leave it to Michi Johnson. But Michi cannot do it all by himself. And look, let's be honest, Chico Carter Jr., very quiet demeanor. I'm sure that, of course, he's more willing to try and lead by example. But Chico, in my opinion, is just not going to be that vocal guy that can get everybody together when you need to. Jacoby Wright, he could maybe be that guy, but he doesn't start consistently in this lineup as of right now. Josh Gray and Benjamin Bozeman's for Dunk, again, from a production standpoint, I just don't think they're consistent enough, and I just don't see it in both of those guys. Benjamin Bozeman's for Donk is a great communicator, but again, he has not been there for even longer than, you know, two-thirds of a season with this program. Gigi Jackson, I think, needs to be that guy. And I think this would be a great opportunity for Lamont Paris to challenge him a little bit more and just say, hey, listen, Hayden Brown's not going to be in there with you now. We're going to need a little bit more from you. That's not to say you got to score 20-plus points a night. Obviously, they would love that, but we need a little bit more from you in terms of your vocal presence, being able to hold guys accountable, call guys out when they're not being consistent enough with their effort and everything. But guess what? If Gigi Jackson does turn around and either he's given that challenge or he accepts that kind of challenge with Hayden Brown not being in the starting line or being able to play, that also means that he's got to do the same exact thing consistently night in and night out. He can't have a game where he takes the game off and he doesn't give as much effort, say, on the defensive end and doesn't try to rebound. Gigi's going to have to step up in that aspect as well. But again, Gigi Jackson is the kid that's expected to be a lottery pick on this team. He is someone that's expected to go on to the NBA this next year. Is someone that, again, if he's just given time to grow into his body, develop a few more moves in his offensive arsenal, he could be a really solid player at the next level, maybe even a multi-time all-star. If Gigi Jackson's going to be that kind of guy, he's got to have some leadership qualities to present to owners, to general managers, to franchises that are going to be looking at that closely. You've got to have it still. 
even though you're not maybe a point guard, you've got to have something. This is a great chance for Gigi Jackson to show that, to show some growth and some maturity here. Again, I'm not saying that he needs to wear the burden of being the guy, the leader. Michi can handle that aspect, but he can't do it alone. And I think that that's a point that they're going to have to deliver to Gigi Jackson and just see how things work out. It might not always end up looking pretty. Gigi might have moments where he gets a little bit frustrated because maybe, quite honestly, are just not helping the team out enough. Okay? There might be some moments like that. But I do think that Gigi has to be sort of that secondary leader. You could probably throw another guy in there as well. But in terms of demeanor and the production, I just don't think there's really a whole lot of other guys on the roster right now that you can point to as that secondary leader. I think Gigi Jackson can fill in those shoes. Granted, again, everything else I mentioned at the beginning, it could also mean that that could not end up working real well for the Gamecocks. But again, I think that he needs to be that guy. I think he can be that guy for this team. And of course, we'll see how this whole thing plays out over the next couple of weeks. But that sole factor alone could end up deciding how many games South Carolina is able to win while Hayden Brown is out and dealing with that deep thigh bruise injury. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what are your thoughts on the Trajan Jeffcoat situation? What do you think this means for South Carolina going forward at that spot if Trajan Jeffcoat is indeed unable to transfer to Columbia? What are your thoughts on the other transfer portal visitors that the Gamecocks hosted this past weekend? Who do you think the welcome home could be? Which prospect would you most like to see join this program? And also, who do you think needs to step up as that leader in the front court now that Hayden Brown is out? Do you think it's Gigi Jackson? Do you think it needs to be somebody else? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listener watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. 